Meeple Might, episode 13, a podcast attends a royal wedding. Welcome to Meeple Might, a podcast about board games past, present, and future. In today's episode, we discuss our recent plays, review Valley of the Kings from AEG, and finish off by discussing our most underrated and most overrated games. I'm Andrew Caprol, and here's my co-host, Josh Knight. Good evening, everyone. Yet again, thanks for tuning in. Now, we've got something exciting that, for us, is going to happen in a few days. For you listeners, has already occurred. But it's a, a big wedding. The Michigan versus Michigan State game. Well, go Michigan State in that case. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> I had to I had to throw in a plot twist for you. Oh, did you? After name after naming the episode after the wedding, you know. Uh, the, the legendary <laughs> wedding. We, yeah. Oh, uh, it's going to be royal. a blast. A royal, yeah. It's going to be yeah. royal something. <laughs> it's like royal icing. It's, it's going to be I don't be know perfect. what that means, but yeah. <laughs> No, gonna we're going to have a blast. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be fun. I wanna, I'm going to jump right into what I've been doing because I'm so excited. Last night, I saw the movie Dune. Oh, don't, don't do any spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything other than saying it was incredible. The cinematography was fantastic. The acting was through the roof. You look at the actors and actresses that are in the movie and it's... It was amazing. They did a fantastic job. Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah, that's always good. Yep. Uh, we actually saw it at Alamo, and we were in the big theater with the perfect surround sound. So the entire time, like you, you're just rumbling from all the shaking and stuff. It, it was fantastic. So <laughs> no spoilers, but a great movie, and really excited about it. And to put it into our board game world. It also makes me excited to play Dune Imperium again. <laughs> it does. Yeah, that's, uh, sorry, because you were saying that the you know the cinematography and acting is good, and I feel like that's been the downfall of a lot of the the previous Dunes. I think I watched a was it was it nineteen eighties or nineteen seventies version? Nineteen eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. So I've seen that version of Dune, and that was. I mean, I I was young when I watched it, but it did not leave a lasting impression. Nor did I go read the books after it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It, interestingly enough, though, my dad remembers that movie, and mm. he has no interest in seeing this while it's in theaters. But he'll watch it when it comes out, to, yeah. as he says, to DVD. That's <laughs> that's what stages he's well, at. Well, it is on HBO Max, which yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys have that or not, but that's. Probably how we'll end up watching it, even though I know I've I've seen a couple of people say you have to go watch this in the theaters. It's like a theater movie. Yeah, absolutely. But, Sorry. Nah, I mean that's that's fine. I mean it's just the reality of if it's a theater movie for the most part, we just don't watch it right now because it's a lame excuse. We could definitely get a babysitter, but you know there's other things we'd rather get babysitters for. Sure. Uh, so yeah. So you know, we're just not big movie buffs, I guess. But we do. I do like watching the movie. I don't want to poo-poo on it and make myself sound like a... I just don't like sitting in front of a screen, you know. It's, if I had glasses, push them up. Yeah, well, yeah, this is... Not true. 
whenever you see it, you're going to enjoy it. I I almost want to put a guarantee on it. I'm also not sure if I want to read the book before I see it now. Because we were looking at that today, too. Um, the word count. Because when I rem- my memory of it was from when I was a lot younger. And, you know, a, a, a book that's 70,000 words seems giant. And that is the word counts like 75,000 or something. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. So, yeah, it's not bad as an adult. But as a kid who's like. I don't know. I I guess I must have been in middle school or something when I watched it. It would have been after Lord of the Rings. Hmm. But I can imagine it's probably easier to read than Lord of the Rings, but I've got so I've got other books on my agenda. Wheel of Time and Witcher yeah. that I'm going to try. Oh, that's to do. another one I'm reading. Yeah. I started Wheel of Time. I'm maybe like a third of the way through the first one. It was a little bit of a slow start, but it's starting to pick up now and it's getting good. So well, we'll find out. But, yeah. I'm bringing, I've got three or four books for the honeymoon because pretty much all I plan on doing is having a little mixed drink, a something fruity as possible <laughs> and frozen, like a frozen daiquiri and, yeah. you know, throw all shade to the wind. Who cares? I'm just going to be laying beside the beach, beside the pool with a book and an alcoholic beverage. Nice. Is uh, Jamaica, is that what it was? Yep. Yeah, yeah Jamaica. Nice. That's going to be nice. Yeah. One more taste of summer before it goes away. Yeah, before I come back to the cruel, cruel world of cold November here in Virginia. Yeah, which, you know, if there's, you know, our Ohio listener, Jeff, is laughing at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, how about, uh, did you want to talk about any games that you've been playing? I guess we could talk about that. Yeah, we can. We don't have to. You should well, start for I, an unknown reason. <laughs> unknown reason. It's because you, you can fi- figure out what my theme is and then make fun of it. I see how it is. Uh. <laughs> well, I hate to burst your bubble. There has been a lot of work going on with this wedding, and I I actually struggled coming up with a theme. I was going to oh, do one yeah. based off of, honey, you were right about like <laughs> games. And I was actually going to list some games that you recommended to us. So you were, quote unquote, going to be the honey as a joke. Yeah. But I can't find three games that fit that criteria. So maybe that'll come later down the three road. games that you recommended that were good. Yeah. The only one, Fleet the Dice game was good. I'll give you yeah, yeah. credit to that. But I went a different route. I went one that I had already described, sort of, or already used for a theme, sort of. And that's dinosaurs. So I've got three more dinosaur games that we haven't talked <laughs> of about. Of course. One of them is new. It just came out, which is Dinosaur Island Roar and Right. You heard my mm, r- yeah. me right. Not Roar, Roar. See the subtlety there? Yeah. Anyways, this is designed <laughs> I, I know by... the subtlety and I don't hear it. <laughs> but go ahead, continue. It's the beauty of it. <laughs> so this is designed by Brian Lewis, David McGregor, and Marissa Marusa. Well, butchered her name. And published by Pandasaurus Games. So the title says it. It's Dinosaur Island, but compressed into a roll and write. You have a certain number of turns to produce dinos, maximize your security, hire staff, and build other interesting attractions. What's unique is it borrows a mechanic from Dinosaur World that you actually take the guests through your park. Just like, say, that movie. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Jurassic Park. Anyways, if you've seen... Uh, if the guests have seen a dinosaur pen or an attraction before, you won't get as much ex- as excitement. 
And so far, I've played it only solo, quite a few times actually, and I've really enjoyed it. I'm leaning towards this or say Dulosaur Island that I've mentioned before for solo only, and then leaving say Dinosaur Island or Dinosaur World, which I'm going to get to a little bit later in next couple of weeks when we get back from the honeymoon. So I'll re- I'll save that Dinosaur World review for later. But these are it was a good game. I enjoyed it. It reminded me a little bit of Welcome to Din- Dino World. Uh, which yeah, was, that's the one where we played together, right? Yep, Nick Shaw yeah. and Dave Tershey. Uh, th- this one was good. I enjoyed it, and it's one that I'll probably play more. Yeah, this one looked kind of cool. Um, it was the same campaign, right, as Dinosaur World. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I didn't. I didn't remember or I, the exact mechanism, but if you say it's similar to uh, Welcome to Dinosaur World, then yeah, it should be a a good one. Do you have to draw the dinosaurs in this one? You do not. I think that was a huge miss because yeah, I loved how we fun. drew those stick figure dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turns yeah. out most people can't draw a dinosaur. But I, I mean, that's kind of the fun thing about the roll and write where you're drawing art is like it's small enough and it's kind of stick figure art and we're all like trying to laughing at each other. Yeah. That's similar. Like we were talking about telestrations last week. Yeah, it's slapstick humor. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, my theme for this week was really easy to come up with. It's wide open spaces. That's right. Wide open spaces. The sound of wide open spaces is nothing because that's what you'll hear when you hear Andrew talking about the games he's played this week because I've only played review games. Uh, so. <laughs> So it's gonna go to I thought Josh we were going to go with again. wide open spaces is the space between your ears. <laughs> oh, Nicole will hopefully uh, love that joke. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did play games, but it was only... And we played Gons, Sean Clever, a little bit, in the, um, which, you know, always... A, it's an evergreen for us. And uh played this, year, or this week's review game and the next one we're going to have in two weeks. So. Okay. So I didn't... didn't uh, don't have anything new to talk about, unfortunately. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. How about this? I've got a joke that we can insert. It's a Halloween joke. <laughs> okay. It's a clean one. Not the ones I told you when I came over to play the review game. So I just heard this today, and I thought it was a good joke. So this little boy is dressed as a pirate. He comes up to this old lady's house, knocks on the door, and says, trick or treat. She says, honey, are you supposed to be a pirate? And he goes, Arr! And, honey, do you have any buccaneers? And she, and the little boy says, yeah, they're underneath my bucking hat. <laughs> ah! Alright, that I thought that was funny. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to insert a little voice to it. The other guy just said it flat and it was funnier when you just did it that way but i thought the voices was necessary it was a cute little joke <laughs> yeah it's B- better than those ones i told you when i came over well yeah sure <laughs> more, all right more radio appropriate yeah well we'll, we'll but, leave the pirate joke behind we'll move on to another dinosaur commercial game. break yeah <laughs> brought to you by bad pirate jokes <laughs> well the next game is going to be fossilis not fossils, which it really does look like it's fossils. It's Fossilis. And this is designed by David Alberto Diaz. 
and published by Kids Table Board Games. So in this game, you're a paleontologist digging for dino bones, and you're hoping to complete dinos. That makes sense. You'll do so by digging terrain around you, which consists of the easiest to dig being sand, and then clay, and finally the most difficult being stone. Once an excavation pit is open, you spend plaster to dig, aka use tweezers to get the desired bone you want. Oh yeah, those terrain tiles I mentioned, those are resources that you can spend to gain items or tools. You will accumulate points during this game, and you're going to use, you're going to gain more points by turning in those bones to create dinosaurs, and the dinosaur doesn't even have to be complete. You can actually do partially complete dinosaur. They still look cool. Who doesn't love a good dinosaur after all? So at the end, there's a set collection goal, and Veronica and I played this. We thought it was a neat little game. It's supposed to be geared towards families. Mm-hmm. Though we really enjoyed it too. It has a little bit of meat on the bone. Ah, see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I listed this one actually because she recommended us play it. Yeah. We sat down one one yeah. Saturday and created a, a list of games. Like these are the five games I'd like to play. And then we do a kind of like a swap that one person picks one from their list. I definitely want to play this game. And then you pick one from the other person's list. I'd like to play that game you mentioned. And we kind of vote on what the fifth game is going to be. So we kind of have a marathon. And this is one of the games that she picked, believe it or not. She was like, I want to play this for sure. Yeah, that's cool. It was a neat game. Yeah, this uh, I did not know it was named Fossilus either. I thought I knew exactly which one you were talking about. And then I was like, Fossilus. So I looked it up and it was exactly the one I thought you were talking about. But I just never realized. Huh. Is that like the Latin name or something for fossils? Uh, yeah. Latin's dead. Yeah. We're not, so we're are not the di- so are yeah. the dinosaurs that oh. uh, are being dug up as fossils. Oh, which I saw a funny meme about dinosaurs the other day. It said, "God created dinosaurs. Dinosaurs couldn't create churches to worship God. So God said, new plan." <laughs> All right, that one was was I thought was worse than the pirate one. <laughs> oh, I thought that one was better. Oh, uh. boy. Well, all right. Welcome back, listeners, from our second joke break. <laughs> Here is Josh with his third game to play this week. <laughs> now this one's on you, my friend. Is but oh, you didn't no. think I had yet another dinosaur game? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do. I don't know why. I just have a bunch of dinosaur games. And this one might actually surprise you. I don't think you even know I own this one. So this is Apex Theropod deck building game. Oh, no. Yeah, that's in, that's like right behind you in that table. And, and yeah. yeah. Shocks. I must have shown it off before. <laughs> you were excited one time. I, I was. <laughs> I, I always show you all the new ones that come in. Well, this game is designed by Herschel Hoffmeyer and is published by Outland Outland Entertainment. So you're going to start as a basic dino species trying to survive in the harsh prehistoric world. Your goal is to become a dominant predator, but there's always something in your way. And that something is your rival dino species, who is the boss that you must overcome. So I ended up playing this solo, and I really enjoyed the variability of this game. I, I did play it on the easier setting, and it with an easier starting dinosaur species, and it was still mm-hmm. a challenge, believe it or not. So the game appeared a little intimidating when I first pulled it out of the box. And, and actually, I, I did sleeve this one as well. Because any good deck builder needs to be sleeved. 
Yeah. But anyways, there was over a thousand cards. The artwork is very realistic and kind of dark looking. So, yeah, yeah, that was a little intimidating. But once you actually learn the rules, it was very easy to play. And it's similar to another deck building game called Legendary or oh, Franchise, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I think it's better than the Legendary series. And I really did like this. And I would suggest it for anyone that loves dinos and deck building. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the pictures on BGG there. It reminds me kind of of the, um, what's that, Dinogenics art. Even uh, darker, though. Yeah, because the, these ones aren't set in a park. They're, like, out in the wilderness and stuff. And Yep. And uh, then you've yeah, got wounds. You'll actually have, like, a fractured bone, and it, it shows it being oh, a right. comminuted yeah, cause, fracture. Because you're, like, like, wild dinosaurs fighting each other. Mm-hmm. It's very realistic. They did a good job of, because if you got injured, then you got that wound. That wound goes into your deck. It clogs up your deck. It's mm. It was fantastic. It's very thematic. It's so are, are you it's a neat. single dinosaur in it? Like you are the T-Rex or something like that? So you are the species itself. I chose, I think for okay, my first yeah. playthrough, I was the Spinosaurus. So you've got your starting deck has like infants and juvenile. Like you've got four infants and then a juvenile. So obviously okay, the juvenile yeah. is going to be a little stronger, but you're still overall weak in terms of the other dinosaurs. Yeah. And you'll pick them off and you'll try to evolve and do different other things to get stronger and stronger. But, and, and you're only carnivores in this one? Uh, I think there are herbivores, but I think they weren't on the easiest setting. I didn't have the yeah. stones yet to go up to, to harder <laughs> stuff just yet. Yeah. But there's right, like, like you can... 18 different dinosaurs. Like oh, starting cool. decks, and yeah. there's other variability of like space raptors or like some type of hybrid mechanical yeah, so you can monster. Do uh, different twists and stuff, so that's yeah. not just just you know boring old dinosaurs in air quotes. <laughs> slurp, slurp, <laughs> slurp, slurp, Bing pot. Uh, I don't actually remember the context for Bing pot originally. So I can't, I, uh, just going to insert random catchphrases of, uh, <laughs> nine, 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 nine. Alrighty. Any, any, uh, more dinosaur games on your end this week or no, Dino, oh, like I said, dinosaur world will have to wait till the <laughs> couple of weeks. I didn't want to delve into any complex games to learn, uh, since our last recording as we yeah. kind of prepared more for the wedding and the the honeymoon. Yeah, we also had a condensed uh, week this time because we recorded late last time and early this time. So, yep, uh, it, for sure. It's all right. Well, why don't we go and tomb our review game? Today we review Valley of the Kings, Premium Edition, designed by Tom Cleaver and published by Alderac Entertainment Group. In Valley of the Kings, players take on the role of Egyptian nobles, possibly even pharaohs, preparing for death and burial in the Valley of the Kings during the New Kingdom era of Egyptian history, which is between 1600 and 1100 BCE. Players want to fill their tombs with food, statues, amulets, and other treasures. Whoever collects the most valuable artifacts in their tomb 
wins and pleases the gods the most. Was AEG correct in resurrecting Valley of the Kings from its tomb, or should it have been left alone and locked away with the remains of the lost ferrets? So for Valley of the Kings, it actually has a quick setup after you decide which sets you're going to include in the game. Once you've done that, shuffle the level 3 cards and then the level 2 cards on top of them to create a quote-unquote stock. I did that one just for you, Andrew. You're going to deal six cards into this cool pyramid with three cards forming the base. These three cards will be what you can purchase on your turn, unless a card in your hand says otherwise. Everyone will start with ten basic cards, with a starting hand of five cards. On your turn, you have three options. Play a card for its action, such as switch cards in the pyramid. Or, another option is to entomb a card. And the last option is to buy a card. Pretty simple there. The key to this game is set collection, as each card in the pyramid corresponds to a specific collection, say priest, sarcophagi, and jewelry, for instance. You will only score points though at the end of the game if you entomb cards, so this is a deck building game as much as it is a deck construction game too. End of the game is triggered when there aren't any more cards to purchase and everyone has had equal turns. Add up your cards in your tomb to determine the winner. And there's not a best score because each of these sets can be manipulated different ways. So just say a good score is whatever you get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, The scores are pretty variable. Um, Yeah, so after the rules, we'll uh, start with first impressions and aesthetics. And I got to say, this is one that... Well, actually, first caveat is we're talking about the premium edition and not the original edition of Valley of the Kings. So this is the one that comes in the black box with the uh, little scarab on the front, the golden scarab and uh, some other symbol. I'm not super, I'm not an Egyptologist here, so I don't know all the Egyptologist. That's a real thing. Yeah. I had a, yeah, there was somebody in high school that was a friend that (laughs) wanted to be an Egyptologist. She ended up being a librarian, which is probably the closest thing you can get to it. But yeah, so she had more of a love yeah. affair with Alexandria. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh, wow, that was a, <laughs> that was a bad reference. That library is long gone. Oof. Burned down to the ground. Anyways, yes. So our first impressions on this game. Uh, I like the the box a lot in this this that clean black box with the golden lettering coming out, uh, and then the cards are all tarot cards, which is really nice. And it comes with it's it comes with sleeves, uh, which are the tarot size sleeves. So out of the gate, you're getting a premium experience, which makes sense. It's called the premium box, but you're only yeah. You know, I mean, we don't talk about price a lot. Sometimes we mention it kind of on the side, but. You're paying a regular board game price here with like 40 to 50 bucks and you're getting a premium deck builder experience with uh, it's expa- uh, the base game and two expansions and tarot sized cards. And most of the art on the cards I like a lot too. So I, while I'm not an Egyptologist, I do like the theme. You know, like I like the whole, the mummy series and um, I had a book uh, what's it called? I don't know. It, I have some book about the art of ancient Egypt and took a class on it because I just think it's interesting. Um, so yeah, I thought this was cool. 
and it's kind of set like you are in ancient Egypt rather than there's quite a few games that are about you are digging up um uh, gosh what am I archaeologists in ancient Egypt but um uh there's not a lot that are set in ancient Egypt not the mythology of ancient Egypt this is just straight up regular old uh people without magic in ancient Egypt and I like that yeah um so, I don't well, know, what are your thoughts on it? So, my first impressions, I think the the box has a nice organization within it. Now, you and I had joked the other night was the fact that only half yeah. that box is filled with cards. Yeah. And even if they do come out with a few more expansions, I, don't, I think it would take like 10 expansions in order to fill that box up. So, I'm not quite sure what was going <laughs> yeah. on with that. I uh, saw somebody on BGG who had a, um alternate first player marker that took up the entirety of that <laughs> it was like a pharaoh head and they were like this is to replace that pencil eraser that came with the game <laughs> yeah that was it was a little unusual and i agree with you mm-hmm. I, I did love the tarot card size those sleeves are premium sleeves too they're nice and thick yeah. uh, i don't know yeah. what micron or whatever the fancy term is but they're nice thick sleeves the art though is passable it's it almost reminds me of like a, a high school level art. It's not like Oh, it, no way. It, it's, fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. I I thought passable I, was the best way to describe it. I think the art on the as uh, last rites, the ones with like the pharaoh and the priest or not pharaoh, priests and priestesses. That art's really good. I I mean, I I like it anyways. It looks like the kind of art you see on like magic cards. Um, or at least reminded me of the stuff from like the Amonkhet, which is the Egypt set of hmm. magic. I'll, I'll take your word um, on that one. Yeah, uh, I guess it was fine. I did like the on the actual cards themselves that they would say how many unique cards are in that specific set. So it was nice yeah. to know that the books had six unique books. So that way, if I had five or whatever, I could keep track of that. Yeah, I like that. And you didn't you didn't need to just remember like oh. Blue, there's the most of those. Then green, then red, or whatever. Or, or remember what they are, even harder. Uh, yep. Or for me, with colors, that would have been hard too. Like we, yeah, for sure. We saw. Uh, the last thing I'd say for my first impressions was setup was really easy if you're specifically choosing the base game sets or the expansion sets because you can easily just flip through yep. that organizer. Up, oh, this is what we're going to use. Shuffle the level two, the level three. All right, we're ready to go. So yeah, I, I thought that was this key. is a. Yeah, and we talked about that uh, when we played together, is that this is like how you do a design for a deck builder, having the little sleeves and then just having a spot where all the cards can go. Um, Maybe not having so much extra space, but who knows? If they have like five more expansions, there's room for that. (laughs) Yeah, compared to Dominion, which has a really big box, but they have a lot of wasted space, and that that organization just isn't as crisp as, say, this one is. Right, right. Well, what about the rules? What do you think of those? Yeah, so I only read the rule book for this, and uh, I I may have watched it, uh, a a rules video when I first learned it, but that was a few years ago, so I didn't need to um, read a rules video as a refresher or anything. So I I think the rule book is pretty well done. Uh, so because specifically. We had a couple questions on, I think, uh, the word take a card, uh, which we thought 
was we weren't sure if it was the same as buying a card or if mm-hmm. you could take any card you wanted. And there's specifically a spot right in the rule book where it says, uh, I mean, it's a whole page just devoted to what key phrases or key words are. And so that was more helpful than anything because otherwise it's a fairly simple I- idea of what's happening in the game. Maybe not, sh- strategy is, is a whole different thing, but like the actual what you're doing is not that complicated. There's not this massive triggering of any super turns or anything. You just buy yeah. something every turn. Yeah. Well, I guess towards the end of the game they can, but yeah. Yeah, I remember this was one of the first games I played when I was going over to your house years ago. And mm-hmm. when I relearned it for this review, it took like two seconds. It, yeah. it, it's almost like you said, it had the foundation before. All you had to do was just do a little brush up on the rules. So that means it's very straightforward to learn the game, which is fantastic. I will yeah. admit I made two stupid mistakes. First mistake was I confused sacrifice with discard. So mm. I did that when yeah. I played solo and when I taught Veronica. So that was a mistake on my end. Had nothing to do with the game, but that was a mistake I did. And then the other one, yeah. I thought about this when I was writing these notes was a little confused when you use a card for the action. When does that card then get placed in your discard pile? Uh, yeah, because some games I, I, you have to keep it in your like your tablet, like in front of you. And then at the end of your turn, those yeah. get wiped into your discard pile. Yeah, I thought that's what this one was too. Um, I don't remember for certain without having the rule book in front of me, but I thought that's what I remembered reading because I know that's what we played when yeah. we were there the other night. But I mean, that's kind of one of the things about the more games you play, sometimes you just start making assumptions yeah. and that's like the danger. I mean, it's like anything in life, not just games, but you know, you start making assumptions the more you, background you have in it and then you don't even know you played it wrong. Like you're like, oh, sacrifice, I know what that is. Because and you didn't even think to ask a question because yep. you've played enough games that you think you know what you're doing. And so, yeah, I mean, it, totally understandable. So, in regards to the theme and setting, I initially said it's it's there, and then when I actually thought yeah. about it even more, I used that example of the priest card you and I had talked about when we played. Was mm-hmm. those priest cards actions allowed you to offer an opponent a card? to yield a better card for yourself, something along those lines. And I thought that yeah. was pretty darn cool. And the entomb action as well. I thought that fit extremely well with the Egyptian idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in Egyptian, I, I might be totally off on this, but I do remember that the Egyptians wanted to have everything would go with you to the afterlife that's buried with you. Yeah. I know they would like have a coin or whatever, cause you had to pay. Uh, I can't remember. It's not the river sticks, uh, but you got to pay in order to go across the yeah the, the ferryman or whatever. But I'm thinking more yeah. Greek and, and yeah, Roman it's Chiron and or something like that in Greek, but I don't remember. Yeah, what, I, I can't what the either. Name but is in Egypt either. I thought the entombing, building that into kind of getting a little bit in the mechanisms, but I thought that was a good way to get the the theme ever present in this game. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think. Um, as far as deck building goes, I, I, I don't know that I feel exactly like an Egyptian noble, but I do feel like some, I mean, I guess I must because there's nobody else who's building themselves a tomb. Um, that, <laughs> uh, so you're not building a tomb, but you're just acquiring all the rest of the stuff that goes with it. And so the idea of you're buying this stuff kind of throughout 
whatever the year before while your tomb's being built or probably like 15 <laughs> years <laughs> and then uh putting it in your tomb i agree and i don't know enough about the different uh gods and goddesses to know whether like the priest of horus did that make sense that he did this specific thing i i'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that but yeah i thought it was cool that a lot of the sets the way that uh, the mechanism that they work makes sense with how uh, you would you would expect that thing to work yeah um so what is well, the mechanism i guess some some of them i guess sorry now i'm thinking about the mummified crocodile <laughs> and his special power was like to entomb four other things so maybe that doesn't make sense eh. but for the most part they, most of them do and i just like the mummified crocodile I liked it too when you had to give it to me yeah. at the end of the game and I got five <laughs> points in order to almost get you. Yeah. Um, sorry. So you said gameplay. Yeah. Gameplay, starting with mechanisms, I I mean, this is deck building with the twist being deck deconstruction. Uh, and I like the twist in that. So it's funny because I guess I complain about um dominion when you talked about it i said that i didn't like that in dominion you have to find the right time to switch to go from deck building uh with powers to deck building for points and i guess that's kind of what this is but instead of deck building for points you're deck deconstructing for points and so for whatever reason i like this use of it better that uh and, and maybe it's just because i really like I, I don't know from playing earlier games with brian you know he likes to do that deck deconstruction down to you have like five cards and just run a real smooth engine and so i have tried to do that in games and so it just maybe feels more natural i don't know um but yeah i like this mechanism a lot i like this tweak and i don't know that there's i mean Deck deconstruction can benefit you in a lot of deck builders, but I don't know that there's a lot that are this driven to do that. There's another like forest creature themed one that I can't remember its name. Sorry, you can give your thoughts and I'll I'll look it up. Yeah, for me, as if the listeners out there haven't figured it out yet, I absolutely love deck builders because. <laughs> Each of those force you to create a strategy based on the cards that are available to you. And this game actually just takes it to the next level with the de deck deconstruction aspect. And sort of like what you were alluding to, Andrew, is I, the, say I had one powerful book card in my hand and I really want to keep it. But I also know I need to entomb it because I've been entombing all the other books and I need to get the maximum amount of points by the end of the game. And that's a that's a hard decision to make. Uh, sometimes a good strategy is to buy two of those cards if you could and tomb one and keep the other in your hand. But I think it offers a great pusher luck feel to it. And another thing you kind of alluded to is if you actually trim down your deck too much, like at some yeah. point, I think I had four or five cards in my hand. You penalized me. You had a card that forced me to do something if I had an empty. Discard oh, yeah. Pile. If you didn't have a discard pile. Yeah. yeah. So I, my strategy in this game is to thin my deck quickly 
like most deck builders, but also slash entomb cards specific to this game. Yeah. And your action penalized me for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good point. And we only had, I think the priests and priestesses might have been the only interactive cards, but uh, I, I think they did add an interesting element. So uh, just, I guess mechanism is kind of the best place to talk about it, that... Uh, that blend of how the cards come out since there's three from each set of the six different colors or something like that when you're setting up. And so it it can matter. So we just did a random one and, and that made it so that we did not have a very combo-tastic game. We didn't have a lot of uh, good card combinations that went off of each other, basically. Uh, the only... And then we had priests that interacted with other people by penal or no priests would penalize yourself to benefit, right? And yeah, then priestesses hurt other people. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, I think those uh, those can be interesting, but I think you do need to kind of tailor picking the right sets. I think the randomization might have been a bad uh, bad idea until you've played a lot. Yeah. And this isn't like. Uh, the go-to deck builder uh, or hasn't been. So we don't have that much experience with it. So it probably was not the right decision. We should have gone with a pre-built set. Yeah, it's all good. The The other game I was thinking of is Dale of Merchants. Mm. Also is deck deconstruction. Gotcha. I haven't, I haven't played it. I've just uh, seen it. Yeah, made. I've seen the art, which is very striking. Yeah. So the flow... Of Valley of the Kings, I wrote variable because mm -hmm. I know I use that word a lot to describe flow. And in this game, it's highly dependent on which sets work well together. So, like you just yep. said, for the same reason, uh, ours sometimes your turn was very quick because you're like, ah, I got nothing here, nothing combo tastic. It's just I'm going to have a very brisk turn. Yeah. And for me, what you just said, I wouldn't use those card randomizers. Yeah. When I taught it to Veronica, I used the base set. When I played the solo, I used the base set. I think yeah. we might have done the randomizer that first time we played years ago. And I I think I used one of the pre-built sets for that. Yeah. Okay. Well right. that one worked well. <laughs> so yeah. maybe that's why that that's the case. why I think, right. So yeah, I would say go with the pre-built sets probably for that reason. Uh and yeah, I mean I mean I think the flow so Last week with Merv, we talked about that the flow is slow at the beginning with a lot of downtime and then not a lot of downtime at the end because your turns start to be kind of automatic. Actually, I might have had to cut that audio because it might have gotten really bad. So if that's not in there and nobody remembers Surprise. that, sorry. <laughs> Surprise. We talked about that last time. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think this is the reverse of that. Yep. Right, because at the beginning, and most deck builders, that makes sense. Everybody starts with a simple thing. I think seven of your cards are basically just used for money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, all of them can be used for money. Uh, and so you don't really have a lot going on at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, your powers start getting better and better. And you start taking two cards in a turn, or you know, you have to look through the discard pile. And so I think it gets a little bit bigger, but I think think that's okay in this game because they don't get unwieldy 
unwieldy large or long and everybody's turns kind of escalate together mm-hmm. you know so you might be thinking about how you're going to combo your turn uh though i yeah i do also remember thinking while we were playing though that i couldn't plan my turn because two or three cards would go away before I could even think about it. And there's only six cards out there, so I wasn't even going to make a decision on... Nicole was playing before me. I wouldn't even make a decision on her turn because who knows what's going to come out. And I might have the card that says, give Josh the lowest value card so I can have the highest value card. Yep. Maybe I want that. Maybe I don't. I don't know yet. So, well, yeah, I think I'm mixed on the flow, I guess. I don't really know. I was going to say, take that to the next step. Yeah. There was no point... I took the same shard as you did. I didn't look at that. Maybe there was a one card, but like, you know what? It'd be awesome if I could, if that card was available when it was my turn. But I wasn't sitting yeah. there analyzing, all right, I'm going to take this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have this action into this, this, yeah. this, this, this. So wait, when it's my turn, I do all those actions. Most of mine, I was like, when it was my turn, then I'll be like, oh, that's available. All right, I guess I'll do that. All right, what yeah. do I need to spend that? And it still was quick turns. There wasn't a yeah, lot of analysis true. paralysis, despite that you couldn't plan ahead. I think that yeah. Excuse me. I think that was a huge plus. That's true. That's that's a good point. And while you might want to read the text on the cards to know what the powers are, yeah. I think in the four-player game, this the level three cards that once they come out, which is when you're halfway through the game, those powers are almost irrelevant. You're gonna see them like three or four times. So yeah. you're just getting those cards to tomb them and tomb them. Yeah, pretty much. Or at least I I, I was. It depends who you're playing with and. Uh, and all that but that's kind of a nice thing about the timer of the game is somebody can't just be like I'm not going to buy anything this turn yeah. if they don't buy anything they still have to discard something from the pyramid to make it move so it's always moving ah. so which kind of goes to the length of the game Oh, look did you at, see that? I, I just did I, a transition I can't believe it <laughs> that was actually a I good did a transition. smooth transition and we still had to call it out and just say I transitioned yeah it's because the first <laughs> time you wow I, I'm really shocked by that alright so length of the game uh, I wrote torn now this wasn't actually my word to describe this this was Veronica's reaction okay. as we were driving home so the box says it's 45 to 60 minutes and mm-hmm timing it we actually think our four-player game was quicker than the two-player game veronica and i played oh wow and i think most of the time you would say that's a positive right if you have more players the higher player count game lasting shorter that's awesome but for her she said that she didn't have enough turns and it also showed and reflected in her points she just didn't have enough time to get her engine going. She was building, 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 and then just kept forgetting to do the deconstruction aspect. So yeah. she wanted a few more turns in order to to really maximize that. Yeah, I, and that was actually the comment that I was going to make, is that if anything, this might be too short. Um, but that's a good point. Because uh, I do remember playing the two-player game and thinking it was a little bit too long. <laughs> so... Uh, and so, I mean, I th- I think it three is the sweet spot. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Split the difference. Uh, yeah, no. So I think the the main thing, right, is that the deck size is the same. Yeah. So you get twice as many turns in a two player game, and you have to approach it with a completely different mindset, right? Because in a four player game, I the first two turns I didn't 
entomb anything and i saw that you and nicole both had entombed stuff and i was like oh yeah i totally forgot i need to start <laughs> doing this like now yep uh and so i think the way to mitigate that like that is within our control right mm-hmm. w- especially in the premium edition is that you can just add more cards mm-hmm. in the four player game so you could play i think it's called the big five and set it up with for like it's a five player game to make it longer or you could add twice as many sets. Or just um, a few more sets. Like one more yeah. set, two more sets, something right. like that. Just anything to thicken that deck yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, so I think that's one that uh, is a good criticism, but I think also is a fixable criticism with what comes in the game. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but yeah, that is that was my note as well. Ah, thinking I like again. All right, let's see it. Is this game fun? Uh, I mean, I had fun playing this game when we br- uh, bringing it back out. Uh, this is one that I've been wanting to get back out for a long time, and I still enjoy it. I like the twist mm-hmm. on deck building, forcing you into, oh man, this card is really good. Like the mummified crocodile, I got it to get five points, but I never could put it in the tomb because it was letting me put four other cards in the tomb every time it came out. So I was like, well, uh, just one more turn, <laughs> just one more turn. And then I had to give it to you. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and I like the Egypt theme is the the nice tie-in with that. So for me, this one's absolutely fun. And it's an, you can chat while you're playing it and yep. have fun above the game as well, yeah. which I like. Very meta. Yeah. So <laughs> I w- try to reflect back to that initial game we played years ago. So at that point, in my early entry into the hobby, it seemed as though you were throwing all the great games at me. We played Sagrada, we played Champions of Midgard, and I loved all those games. And I really loved yeah. this one too. And then I learned you didn't just pick this because it was one of the best games. You picked it because it had just recently come out and you recently bought it. <laughs> but it turns out <laughs> you still picked a good game. So yeah. for me, it absolutely is fun because it's not just the gameplay itself. It's easy to learn. It's easy to teach. Yeah. And I love the explanations on the cards because that tarot card is necessary. If it was a standard card size like Dominion, it wouldn't be good enough. The fact that it's yeah. a little bit bigger, they can explain everything on the card. You don't have to look up, oh, what does this one call? What does this one do? What does that one do? Whatever. Yeah. Everything's on that card. And the other thing I really enjoy, which this is actually, let me take that back. Something that Veronica really enjoys is that there isn't that much take that. There's mm-hmm. some, and actually she's the one that goes that route more than I do because <laughs> I don't like being mean, uh, yeah. especially when playing a two-player game like this. She was using those take deck cards, but there weren't that many in there to really disrupt you yeah. to ruin your plans than, say, a three-player games of Architects of the West Kingdom. <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> bitter, 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 bitter. All right, so here's where the fun ends, and that's the solo variant. So there actually is not a solo variant with the original game. Or if there was, it was a beat your own score, which I always, I don't care about those. I don't like playing that stuff. Yeah. So someone on Board Game Geek instead designed an AI to, for you to compete against. And the designer actually acknowledged it and included it in this premium edition. And I'll be blunt, I didn't like it at all. So despite making an attempt to make an AI deck unpredictable... It actually detracted from the ability to use the cards for their actions. So the AI, all it does is take a card and tomb a card for the points. 
that's it. It just wasn't fun. Mm. And yeah. I never want to play it again. I'm good. <laughs> it's just, it seemed very archaic. Like going yeah. back to the, to the high schooler designing the art, it seemed like a high schooler designed this. Like <laughs> it's a simple AI, right? We have such yeah. better ways of creating an AI for a, a deck like Autonoma and all those other companies do such a yeah. brilliant design. This is lazy. Yeah. I mean, it's from its time though, right? Like I think this game was 2014, 2012 or 2014. When the original game came out. Yep, 2012. Yeah, so then if it came from BGG, then, you know, it's just somebody doing it as a side hobby. But they could before. have elevated it. They, they could and have taken yeah. the bones but, and then made it but better. But even this, this was 2017, I think. Maybe 2018. So <sighs> I think it was 2018. Still, still kind of early. Yeah, I don't have it up anymore. If uh, they had yeah. this, if this had come out now, especially yeah. after the pandemic when Solo oh, yeah. was, was huge... This would have a yeah. Dave Turchy design on it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and I mean, it's not fair for me to say, oh, I'm not saying like, oh, hold it in those lights. I'm just saying like, it makes sense that it's bad because of when it came out. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think it yeah. was 2019. I mean, the, yeah. I, I, so, man, I'll hold this thought till the overall thoughts. But um, so ha- replayability likelihood to play it again i think it's high and it's it's assuming now i'll go into why it's going to be replayable for everybody and then why it could be replayable for us so it's assuming that you've got that random set generator so that'll be for everybody because that will have a whole bunch of different options and things like that but for us that's a negative because of what you mentioned earlier (laughs) that those decks don't synchronize with one another but Veronica actually really enjoyed this game. So this is something that I can see us pulling out pretty frequently. I can see it as a springboard to teaching her other deck building games. Yep. And I also for, uh, foresee it being a a little bit lower replayability just because of how terrible that solo mode is. But again, <laughs> I don't care as much about solo yeah. mode if Veronica will play with me. So like, yeah. that's kind of a wash a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the replayability is really high for us on this too, or likelihood to play it again is high for us. Uh, I've I've kind of mentioned the deck deconstruction quite a few times, and I think that's another reason it's a great stepping board. Is this literally teaches you how to be good at a deck builder game? For a lot of deck, there's not every deck builder is like that, but a lot of deck builders, it is good to try and hone your deck down to be very as predictable as possible and good at a certain strategy and so this teaches you that concept uh without being overly complex and has kind of a fun theme and uh plays with the premium edition up to six players and so this i can you know that was how we i think we played it five maybe no four we played it four four. the first time right yeah but this is probably i mean i don't own clank but like this and clank would be the high player count deck builders that i would like as a go-to uh just me personally yeah well that's fair so how do we score things here at meeple night yeah here on meeple night we score things using a five point categorical score system starting with one which is not fun i would pass it fast to play two the game is okay but not likely to hit the table Three is a good game worth playing in the right situation. 
Four is a great game, almost always willing to play it, and I need to have access to it. And lastly is five, an amazing game among my favorites. Must own it. <laughs> All right. So first off, add everyone, some flavor. I'm gonna congratulate Andrew for saying categorical perfectly. <laughs> first try, great first job, try. man. And staying on the positives for my overall thoughts, that at the end of the four player game, I. I Realize I actually enjoyed spending more time with you guys at the table than necessarily the game itself. Yeah. So that kind of goes to the meta aspect. I mentioned it to my future in-laws last night at dinner is sometimes it's the company at the table, not necessarily the food. You got a bad food, but great company, and it's still a great experience. Although we're taking them to all of our favorite places (laughs) in Charlottesville. But I digress. So this game has a unique mechanism of that deck construction, which we've mentioned a thousand times, and has a premium feel thanks to those tarot cards and card sleeves. While the solo mode is a huge negative for me, it's not a, it maybe is not as big of a negative after all because Veronica has piqued her interest in this game. And I think I'm going to end up giving this game a score of a four. I was debating the three, but I tell you what, playing it two years ago, and playing it again here lately, really enjoyed the game. I am biased towards deck builders, but I, I think for the replayability aspect, the the premium feel, and everything with this game has, it deserves a four, which is now you know very different because I was on a three rut for a long time there. But I, I think Valley <laughs> of the Kings deserves a four. Yeah, so I'm going to start with the caveat that I started this whole review with is that this is for the premium edition uh, because, like you said, the tarot feel. Uh, cards, the premium sleeves, the updated art. I looked at the art uh, before we <laughs> got on tonight. Woof! If you thought this one was high school, <laughs> it was it was middle schooler before. Uh, no offense to the to the artist. It's it's a you know it's ten billion. Be- do- it's yeah, way better than anything I could do. You've seen my stick yes. figure drawings; they're not good. Or <laughs> <laughs> <Our> night. <laughs> But yeah, the the more we talked about it tonight, the higher and higher I was getting on it. Because you're right. Any time I have played this game has been a fun experience. Uh, I think that I would prefer to play this at three or more players. uh, And then you can tailor it by adding more Mm -hmm. uh, uh, decks or whatever sets if needed. but nonetheless, even though I have to give that caveat, I think I'm going to end up on a five with this. This is wow. an amazing game among my favorites. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of my favorite deck builders, I think. Now, like, I would happily play this anytime anybody wanted to. Um, there's always a nostalgia element for me. Yeah. You know, like, if, if a game doesn't have that, where I am looking back fondly on the memories I had at the table, it's not going to hit a five. And the fact that I did have those memories and then we came back and played it and I was I was like, yep, I still like it. It's not just not just the memories that kind of solidifies it for me. I thought I was going to probably be a four, but as we were talking about it, you know, kind of. Uh, yeah, I, th- this is a five for nope. me. Final answer. You got it. Yeah. All right. Well, Valley of the Kings premium edition. You have earned a score of a nine from Meeple Maker.
And finally, we'll discuss our opinions on what games are most overrated and most underrated. All right, so this was a topic that I actually came up with. Actually, Nicole came up with it. I don't want to take credit where. <laughs> but hey, but hey, this side of the the conversation or the podcast came up with it. Uh, Again, so you don't want to be sleeping Nicole. on the couch. Uh, so basically, yeah, we were just thinking this is something I've seen uh, other channels discuss uh, from time to time. You know, like what game that everybody likes do you think is terrible or what game that everybody thinks is terrible do you think is great it's uh it, it's a little bit hard to judge uh, uh because everyone has their subjective opinion and it just might be that everyone in my group likes a certain game and so i think that this game is overrated but it actually you know the bgg community doesn't so the way I approached it, at least, was I, I took the BGG metrics to try and make it so that uh, the listening verse can uh, use that as a metric, uh, which which still mm-hmm. is kind of a, what do you call it, a sampling bias of sorts, because it's people who are so into the mm-hmm. board game hobby. So a lot of times, lighter games and party games get lower scores and really heavy, thinky uh, thematic games, you know, your Twilight Struggles and Gloom Havens and Star Wars Rebellions get really, really high ratings because that's the type of games that board game geeks like. Uh, so yeah, anyways, nonetheless, that's the metric I use because mm-hmm. that is a metric that feels somewhat objective at least. So I looked at the biggest delta between a rating that I gave and, and still felt was appropriate because there's some ratings that I gave that I was like, oh no. That's higher than than that. Like Valley of the Kings, for example, I gave an eight back then and I'd probably give it a nine on BGG now. But but you know, things things are always constantly changing. Yeah. I took a similar approach. I used Board Game Geek just for the data. For my underrated one, I looked at something that was less than a thousand ranked. So it, it was quote unquote poorly ranked. And then for the overrated, I actually looked in the top 100. So my game is a top 100 game, and I think it's overrated. So I, I use those as my metrics to, to define it. I think mine meet those metrics. Those are I, I just went about it in a different way. I just used, uh, I went to my rankings and then hit the average rating and made it sort by that. And yeah. So, and then... Basically, I just looked for the lowest score I had in kind of those first 10. And then okay. the opposite for underrated. So which one do you want to start with first? Um, Let's start with overrated, I guess. So we can be ranty first and then finish on a high note. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bash it's on like, games and then we like can finish. The, do you want the good news first or the bad news first? And yeah, you always take yeah. the bad news first because then yeah, you feel yeah. better after. Exactly. Okay, go for it. Also... All right, so my most overrated game is one that's kind of a classic Euro. Um, so that that's also kind of a good reason that I picked it is it's a it's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, Bruges, <laughs> <laughs> get out of town. Uh, designed by Reiner Stockhausen, published by DLP Games. Originally TMG, rest in peace. 
now Capstone Games. Do you think you know what it is? Orleans. It is Orleans. Yes! Nice job. Ranked 25 on BGG. Uh, this is a bag-building game. And you are... Uh, I, th- I think you're nobles. Uh, let's see what it says. Yeah, and you're recruiting followers and workers, basically, which are these little chips that you're putting in a bag. And then you're building an engine out of those. The Everything should click. I love engine building. I love deck building. I pretty much hate bag building. Quacks of <laughs> Quedlinburg is okay because it's light. Orleon is too heavy for me I to do this mechanism. The reason I have a problem with it is because in a deck builder, you go through your entire deck. In a bag builder, you pull chips out, put them out, put everything back in. And so you can get stuck in this loop of not pulling the right chips out. And that's my... I mean, that is my biggest qualm with it. It's been probably four years since I've played it, and I only played it two or three times, so it's not like I have that great... I mean, I don't remember enough about it because I didn't like it, so I didn't want to play it anymore. But I remember that being the main reason. We we played the follow-up to it um, with the the alpaca or the llama on the front, Altiplano, and I had the same problem. Uh, I like Orleon better than that one, but... (laughs) because you're not managing movement as well. But uh, yeah, so that that's the reason I, I really have a problem with this one. I like the art. It's Clemens Franz. I should love this game. Set in Europe. And you're, there's a knight on the front. And it's, look at that great Euro art. I'm sure you're not looking at it. I'm looking at it. I know, I know what it looks that, like. Yeah. <laughs> I debated it. This is like... The at least the capstone version. Now they're going to come out with it at some point if ships can ever get here to America. Yeah. Uh, I've debated about getting it actually because it looks interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, based on how my recommendations go, you probably should get it and try it, and you will probably like it because I would not recommend this game. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think we are on opposite ends of the spectrum usually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just a touch to random for me in a game that feels like it should be uh, a little more strategic than it is I don't know I and who knows maybe the expansions fix it but I'm usually I'm not a fan of the here buy a $60 game oh here buy this $40 expansion to fix mm-hmm. your $60 game oh there's still yeah. problems here's another $40 like, I, just make it good in the beginning and I'll Wait. buy more stuff isn't that how Kickstarter works? <laughs> no, they just make me spend 150 right away. Ah, uh, it's way different. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can't bash on me for Kickstarter. Get out of here. <laughs> for my one, my half to one Kickstarters a month. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I think I average that in a week easily. Yeah. Yeah, and also that's more than it was before we had this podcast. But so, yep, I'm <laughs> proud of you. Yeah. All right. So, how about you? What's your most overrated game? So this might be like I'm going to talk, and then you can kind of enter. You can yeah. At the that's end, fine. I can def- I can defend my games. Yeah, because I I'm attacking one of your games. <laughs> I'm 100. percent It better not be Stefan Feld. That asshole. 
haven't, it's Castle I haven't played. If it's Castles of Burgundy, I'll kill you. I haven't I'll played you. a Steffenfeld I don't like. It's not going to go into uh, the Tomb of Shame. Yeah. Like, again, yeah. I bought Carpe Diem after we played it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you just, right. They're not your favorites because they're not th- super thematic. They're Euro thematic, not yeah. thematic. Which are thematic. fine. The mechanisms are there. Yeah. They're also just hard to look at for my eyes. Yeah. Is that beige or light tan or or dark peach? I can't tell. It reminds me of we just watched the episode of Modern Family when Cam they ordered like a washer and what came was white and they wanted eggshell white, not cream, not custard, not elephant ear. Like they went he was just like listing all these colors that are so close to like whitish. Yeah. And you're just laughing. That's what I kind of feel like Aaliyah did playing, with Castles yeah. of Burgundy. You're like, all right, guys, yeah. we're going to go to Lowe's and get every tan color they have and yeah. throw it on this game. <laughs> all right. So this is a discussion that Veronica and I had. Now, if those listeners have picked up on it, I've been reliant on my soon-to-be wife, quite a lot in this discussion on tonight's podcast. So we debated what should have been included on this list. And I, no, but I will say, I obviously I could have said paleo and just dropped the mic, but why kick a game while it's down? So instead we did, we did how I would do. You're right. We did, however, pick two games that were just flat to us that shared a common intellectual property. Harry Potter. Yeah. So hers was the Harry Potter Funkiverse. Not sure if it's a great game at two players, or if you needed to buy more sets than just the Harry Potter set, or if we weren't necessarily the target audience, but we quit playing midway during this game. And immediately put it in the first L stack. Gone. But I, however, chose a different game. And it's one that you and Nicole had on your favorite two-player list. And that's Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. So Veronica and I actually played this very early in our relationship. Slash our entrance into this hobby. And I specifically purchased it for us her and I at the time, because of the intellectual property and the chatter online about how great it was. So we ended up playing the first year and felt it was just too easy and never returned back to it. Until a few weeks ago, I brought it out because it's a deck builder. I love them, right? This is going to be great. So, And I read in the rules that said, start on year three if you're good at deck builders. So I did, and I played through years three and four easily. Year five introduced some more gamer mechanisms, and that's when the game broke in my opinion because i would sometimes lose practically immediately one play reset it and then easily beat it the next play and unfortunately that happened again in year six and seven except i didn't finish year seven i just quit i was sick of it and i just realized this is not in the top 100 this is number 303 best game overall so i cheated a little bit there sorry about it (laughs) Yeah, well, as soon as you said that, I was starting to vote for things to make sure that it it. Yeah, I, I, I see that now. <laughs> but it, it's still such a highly discussed game in social media. And this podcast you might have heard of called Meeple Night. And it shouldn't be. In fact, 
My best friend Jeff and his wife played it a while ago and had similar opinions. Though they more like the Arkham Horror type, so maybe they're the weirdos. But regardless, it's a miss for me, and it's overrated. Sorry, Andrew. Nah, that's okay. I mean, I I think you don't like Harry Potter as much as you think, then. <laughs> I just like good games. Just kidding. Uh, no, I, I do think that... I don't remember which years it was. It must have been 5 and 6. Um, or it was 4 and 5 that I felt like were swingy. But I I thought in year seven that got fixed. It was just a little long at that point, and so that too. Yep. Yeah. I, I I specifically like it because of the Harry Potter theme, and because I think it's a good introduction to teach you how to deck build if you've never played a game before. But yeah, I mean that's to each their own. Like I said, you should go pick up Orleans. You should pick <laughs> up Hogwarts Battle. I, yeah. Oh, have it. Plus <laughs> an expansion. We, ah, for what it's worth, we're not picking up the third expansion because we didn't think uh, it needed anything else. All right. You want to do the snake draft format? Sure. So we actually thought the most underrated game was a lot harder discussion because we looked through yeah. our collection and as Nicole put it, recently is we're very much cult of the new and cult of the new Mm -hmm. is typically rated a little bit higher for the most part but i did notice a few kickstarters that i've backed that didn't quite receive such hype and i wanted to suggest a game that deserves to be recognized a little bit more well you actually will recognize the publisher hopefully you'll recognize it (laughs) so the game is flourish which is designed by James and Mm. Clarissa Wilson and published by Starling Games, who are famous for Everdell, but also made another popular game called Black Orchestra. Anyways, Flourish is a nature-themed game where you create a grid of cards, which scores after every third card played. The unique part of this game involves giving cards to your neighbor, so you also have to keep an eye on what they are trying to build. There's private goals, and some expansions can be added pretty easily, I think it's a really great game, and it's easy for us to bring out because the rules are great. They're really easy to remember. It offers deep strategy and a lot deeper than it may seem when you first look at the game itself. And it's a game that Veronica will actually frequently request as we're considering games to play. Hmm. So it kind of brings back the concept I've mentioned before. This game is cost effective, as I think I only paid like $29, $35 for the Kickstarter version. and. I think the ease of play means we have gotten our money's worth already and will continue to do so. So Flourish deserves to be an under or needs to be recognized more because it truly is underappreciated. Nice. Yeah, that's one that I have seen uh, and the box art looks nice. But uh, who's the designer again? Sorry. James and Clarissa Wilson. Hmm. I don't know what else they've done. Yeah, I don't know either. I'll look it up while you discuss yours. Yeah, so my most underrated game is published by Queen Games, which mm. you wouldn't think that I'd say is underrated then. but uh, Overpriced? <laughs> it is probably overpriced. So price is not a factor in this because I uh, do not own this game. I've played it. Uh, my friend James owns it. Uh, designed by Shun Taguchi and Aya Taguchi. And the game is Skylands. Hmm. So uh, Skylands was kind of thrown in um, 
what year was it? In 2018, I don't remember what their Kickstarter was. I think it was Skylands, Copenhagen, and Franchise or something like that. And so this was kind of just one of the ones that got thrown in as like the, oh, this is not this is the game that's not as good that we're just trying to <laughs> sell in a bulk set. Uh, but I thought this one was actually the best in the set. Uh, it's hmm, the easiest way to describe it in like a minute. Everybody has a 5 by 4 grid that you are trying to create these floating cities in, basically. And the cities are uh, pink, blue, green, and I think city, which is like yellow. And it's just like where people go or something. And the cities create different kinds of energy. Uh, and, and then, so there's different, but there's four different places you can go uh, to draft. You can draft tiles in four different ways, basically, or you can just draft energy and energy is what you're using to uh, buy people. And then you use people, you put them on your board, and that's how you get points at the end of the game, essentially. Uh, it, it's, I mean, that that sounds kind of dry, I guess. But uh, the theme is that you are these futuristic alien race in sky, uh, in cities floating in the sky. I don't know how relevant that is. Hmm. Uh, it, it's just a fun little puzzly game that... Uh, I, I think if you could find it for like 30 bucks or a reasonable price and not just from Queen would be worth seeking out. Uh, we, we ended up... So our game game group before we played with you a lot, uh, was, uh, which was just me, Nicole, James, and Brian, we pretty much played a game one time and moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skylands, we actually played, I think, three or four times. Uh, and then Nicole and I borrowed it and kept it and played it a couple times. So given that that's pretty rare for us to do uh i i I think it's this one is overlooked is as something and i think the art i'm looking at it now is kind of part of the reason that it's overlooked yeah you know it's a queen it's a typical queen game the art's not that great but uh the gameplay itself is what's fun to me in this one that it's it's that right blend of puzzly and kind of building an engine but it's not super dense you know you can get a play in 30 or 45 minutes so yeah i I think this one's definitely worth i think probably seeking out at a convention uh, because i think queen also just kind of does one print run for a lot of their games Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you get a chance to play this at a convention i would highly recommend it also because it it's fairly easy to learn so i think i've seen it and like the discount bend on miniature market or fun again mm. game, something like that. I've definitely seen it. I'm pretty sure it, it's it's on one of those ones you just kind of quickly pass by because the art doesn't captivate you. Yeah. But yeah, if this, yep. just based on what you described it and the look, the general look of the game, if this was published by Capstone Games or another business that really elevates their their quality, yeah. their component quality, I think this would be incredible. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's why it's that's why it's underrated. I yeah, I think it's it's purely a mechanism game, basically. Well, I like it. And doubling back, so James Wilson, I feel like an idiot now. Mm-hmm. He's the, one of the designers for Everdell. Oh, that's why I knew this game had somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then this there's no reason it should be overlooked yeah fantastic little game yeah i i guess i'm gonna oh i know exactly what this game is 
Yeah, you have a copy of this? Yep. All right, whenever I play Destinies, maybe that'll finally get me to play <laughs> Destinies. I can borrow Flourish. We'll can I borrow it. Flourish if I finally play Destinies? Yes. <laughs> Although yes. Veronica may fight you for it. Thanks, Dad. Uh, all righty. Well, I think that's enough games talk for today. <laughs> that was a terrible <laughs> outro. <laughs> Jesus. Goodbye. All right, that's it. We'll see you later next. <laughs> Bye. You, you Adios. Are, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> well, hopefully that, that in. <laughs> hopefully that gives you <laughs> listeners an opportunity to figure out some of the games that we underappreciate and overappreciate within our own collections. And maybe you've got some of your own. So if you want to reach out to us to tell us some of your own opinions, we are reachable by Gmail. <laughs> at meeplenight at gmail.com active on instagram at least one of us Me- here is meeplenightpodcast at gmail.com oh, okay. i am i am active at checking that email account just okay so you know. well that's good <laughs> i'm i'm the one active on instagram and then we have a facebook page as well yeah so until next uh, time we really do appreciate everyone listening and hope you appreciate the fact that our audio actually worked this week so it, <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully so we will see everybody in a fortnight and until then good night thanks for listening everybody no you don't and good luck ah! <laughs> I set you up <laughs>